0: Okay, Ramblers, let's get rambling.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in.
0: I woke up this morning
1: with the sun down shining in hell. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fing money, you head? Oh, it's, uh,
0: oh, oh. It's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Found
1: my mind
0: in a brown paper bag, within then. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses.
1: Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the news, so, uh, you know. That's what you uh, thats what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis.
0: I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, hey, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you
1: $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do.
2: There's just one thing, dude. What's that?
3: You have to use so many cuss words. Are you talking about?
4: Don't
5: worry, nobody's listening anyway.
4: I woke up this morning with the
0: sun down shining.
3: in Hello, back X, Y, and i I'm talking about Greg on the board. SP Futures up 22, and NASDAQ Futures up 128. Um, it does not matter where interest rates goes. It doesn't matter about anything. Just put money in by all the same stocks every day, and it's working for the, those that are doing that spectacularly. I wouldn't short it. I'm happy that my clients are, the <laughs> Apple stocks are making a bunch of dough, but I, I I'm I, I look at it with uh, let's say with a little trepidation. How much how much higher can you run Nvidia's up another ten bucks today? Let's just let's make it a thousand, two thousand, four thousand. What's the difference? we I'll be rich, and uh, we just keep buying, just keep buying, and I don't. We don't care how much money they make. If they make money, we don't care about anything. We're just buying. We got Microsoft up another percent today. We've got uh, Apple. Somebody came out and the stock was getting beat up. They have problems with their watch. They have some other issues. doesn't matter. We've down- upgraded them and now they're back up to almost, almost all-time highs again. It just it just doesn't matter. The money just keeps flowing into the same narrow spots. And uh, you know what? It might be that way for a while. might want to be the this stuff all year. I mean, uh, we aren't selling anything for our people. We're just going to... Creep- Creeping puts up in case it turns the other way, but uh, so far it has not. Kevin, how are you?
2: Good morning. I'm doing fine.
3: Did you uh, happen to listen to any? I know you were um, back and forth in the car in the morning this week, but uh, Lou was talking about the uh, Iranians bombing uh, Pakistan, and he couldn't figure out why they would find another front when they seemed to be pissing everybody off everywhere else and seemed to have enough trouble going for them. Well, we've gone off the air about an hour, and I get this thing from the Wall Street Journal. I I mean, if Lou was, you know, it was kind of new news. If he didn't know what was going on, I sure as hell didn't. So I get this thing from the Wall Street Journal. Tell me if you wrote this in fiction that you would sell a book. It turns out, according to this article anyway, that the Iranians um, struck, I don't know if they were planes or bombs or missiles, what they did, uh, a few spots in Pakistan but there are people from Iran that don't like Iran and are hiding out in Pakistan. So they basically were bombing or striking or whatever they were doing. Their own separatists, for lack of a better term, were revolutionaries. So then later in the day, Pakistan um, retaliates against Iran. But they retaliate by, by whacking a bunch of Palestinian separatists that are hiding out in Iran. So they're bombing the other guy's country, but they're bombing their own people that don't like them. Could you could you even imagine something? How would you like to live in that part of the world? I mean, I, can you even imagine something like that?
2: Uh, no, I would have a hard time imagining it. Um, but I would also say that there's a whole lot of people who are saying, um, you know, looking at uh, what's going on in the cities in the United States and saying, "How would I would hate to live in that part of the
3: world. Uh, that's truth. I got to email yesterday from a listener from the UK. <laughs> and, and uh I think she lives in how she found us, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh Edinburgh, someplace someplace up north. Scotland. Yeah, she says there's no nobody she never even uh never held a gun. There's never anybody shot. Nobody even has a gun. Nobody wants one. You know. She doesn't understand Well can,
2: it's not like they don't have violence in murder. So, you know, we do You know that that is part of the equation. No matter where you go, Um, the the question is, you know, is, I mean, and and, you know, to me, is we see so much devaluation of life. Period. And uh, you know, people, people who are either raised or whatever it is, where they they just have. They they don't see any value to another person's life, and probably not to their own either.
3: Um, yeah, and, I uh, and, once, yeah. And,
2: and, and and let you know. Let's take that back to the to the Middle East, because uh, again, when you are talking about um, you know some of the divides that they have, some of the the way. The way people think of israelis the way some people think of the arabs the way some people think of the palestinians and so on is that they're they're a lesser form of life and that certainly gives you a license to do all kinds of stuff that you would never have done before
3: well the japanese felt that way with the chinese right
2: yeah um and so what you know once you start doing that and and we see that in uh... In, uh you know, in our cities, and we see that in the conflicts around the world. That, we, and and as soon as you just start thinking that that's, you know, it, it's subhuman, then it's pretty much it's pretty easy to uh, uh, walk your way into all kinds of atrocities.
3: You could just tell when people um, don't care about collateral damage; they think those people are worth less than their own, and w- w- we've done it. Uh, abhorrently to me. Um, and I think other people in the world are doing it. But did you happen to see the picture on CNBC about the Hooties? How do you pronounce that? Hooties or who? I, I say Hooties
2: but I, I can't swear that's correct.
3: You had another commercial for Guess Who? Go on. They, have, they show a bunch of guys there. God, it doesn't really matter what country. and They all got the headdress on. They all got their guns. They all got the bandoleros looking like something out of the Mexico and the 1890s Uh, they're always in a Toyota pickup truck yet another commercial for Toyota pickup trucks
2: oh I gotcha yeah
3: I mean, those things must—they must. Can
2: you—is that an option to get a machine gun mount on
3: it? I'm sure that I'm sure there's people that can customize it for you, but they're all, they're all the older ones, you know, the well, ones from. Uh, well,
2: Toyota's leaving money on the table there by uh, not not making it a uh, uh, an option for the car.
3: Uh, do the they do they still sell the big plain old pickup trucks? I mean, I don't, I mean this, I these all look like they're thirty years old. They're all still running. I had an '89 Toyota pickup. The thing was, was real nice. Four cylinder. Looked like I bet the thing would run forever. I used to go get the oil changed. When the oil came out, it looked as clean as when it went in. It made me wonder why I was changing it, actually. But, um, yeah, Kevin, it, it's a very strange uh, situation. And uh, Our president, Biden, said that the uh, airstrikes and the Houthis, they must be so spread out over there that they aren't working.
2: They said they aren't working. Then the next question was, "Well, are they going to continue?" And the answer was, "Yes." Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, well, yeah, we well, should have said they aren't working no, I, yet. I,
2: I guess. I guess we should still do it, but if they're not working, is you know, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, and well, if, if, it, if maybe one day it'll work. Uh,
3: I guess that would be the, the thing. Um, I'm, I'm cur- I, You know, I would like to, uh, if you could, if you were Superman. You'd like to intercept one of those missiles heading towards one of these ships, ride the thing to the ground, like in a movie or something, take it apart.
2: Like uh, like, uh, uh, Major Kong?
3: Yeah, and then all of a sudden, just take it apart and find out where all the parts came from. I mean, somebody's supplying these people. How how do you get something from some place to Yemen, for God's sake? I mean, it's not like you can can put it on a railroad. I mean, this is... Somehow or another... We're, we're not putting two and two together here is it just me
2: Oh, I, I suspect that um, that you have people who know exactly where it's coming from
3: and uh,
2: and to the extent they want to make it public they do but sometimes they don't because um, because the the uh, the way that we conduct geopolitics is um, has us in a, a situation where we have some very strange bad fellows,
3: and, and we also have very strange power dynamics in Washington and the people who get this money. And I think, even though it might be overshadowed by some of these big conglomerates now, the military industrial complex still does a pretty good job. Although I don't think they're anywhere close in terms of uh, lobbying like the drug companies. Though I mean, you got to you see the. I mean, the amount of money that's pouring into the place, I I don't know what, uh, I I often wonder once in a while when you're driving along and there's nothing really to look at, what the founding fathers would think of the mess we have now. I mean, the idea of of money is just, I mean, it's not like, first of all, those guys, uh, when they wrote the Constitution the way they did, one thing that should pop out at you, especially if you're over the age of 12, is that the people who wrote it knew an awful lot about, human personality and power dynamics and they knew what a crook was because a lot of them probably were uh, had some backroom dealings I won't say total crooks and they knew a lot about human nature which really doesn't change much does it I mean you read Greek tragedy sounds like you're reading something yesterday the, uh, the idea that somehow or another there I, belie- I, I honestly believe Kevin that the entire checks and balances that they foresaw in there are pretty much gone with the incredible the fact that corporations don't die and you can you can go across district lines and influence all elections, not just the one near you. and I, I wonder what those guys would do to counter that, if anything.
2: Yeah well, Tom, I, I believe that's problematic, but I don't think that's really the pro- the biggest problem um, not not by a long shot. I, to me, the biggest problem is that Congress has systematically, Given away its authority to the administrative branch, um, the executive branch, uh, to be uh, constitutionally correct, uh, to the executive branch of government, and and they do this in a lot of ways. But you know now the probably the the most popular way is that they write legislation. And they consider legislation a framework, and then they hand it over to the executive branch to write all the regulations related to re- legislation. So they can go write a bill that's 2,000 pages long, and then they turn it over to the um, executive branch and say, "Give us another 10,000 pages." And in all that, and, and, and there's a there's a really good court case going right now, um, that is going to challenge the, and I'm blanking on the name of the decision. Um, the uh, 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 um, let, let me do a a quick Supreme Court uh, uh, search because I'm sure it'll be on there. Um, it, it is going to challenge the amount of power that the courts have supported for the um, uh, uh, executive branch to have, and uh, so we will see. Um, let me see Supreme Court. Let's see if it, if I can just find it with Supreme Court. Um, if I put it in the news, if I click the news one, it's going to tell me. But it it uh, it we may actually get the court to clip their wings, um, and uh, the. Uh, see, the, the see, I
3: think that that the uh, the reason why that is, Kevin, is because Congress has been denuded by money.
2: Well, yeah, and, 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 but the, the other problem is the Chevron case is what it is, um, is, is the one that's uh, that could be overturned. Um, but, and, and without getting deeply into it, because uh, I haven't prepped it for Tuesday's class yet, which I'm going um, to, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, we have granted so much of what should be the authority of the legislature, of the House and the Senate, um, has just been handed off. Uh, I think at its worst, you know, I, I I think it just exponentially started exponentially growing during the uh, um, Obama administration. But it was growing before that. It was absolutely doing it. It exploded in the Obama administration with Obamacare being the lead on that. Um, but even let's even back up the train. Let's let's pin it on the uh, uh, the. Uh, uh, George W. Bush administration, because we wrote, uh, you know, when we created all of the agencies with the Patriot Act, it was the same thing. So, it, you know, as as you go through there, you're just saying let government just write the rules. Um, they can they can solicit comments and etc., but they're really just writing the rules and they may tweak them a little bit. And then it, you know, so Congress is is the one that's been denuded, and um, and as a result. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we we just have a, a federal government that is run amok, and that's that's not a good thing. And I I think if they can, uh, you know, depending on the outcome of the uh, uh, the two cases in front of it right now, uh, we could see a little bit of a scaling back of that. And I think that would be a good thing because that's where we get, that's where we get things that are out of control. That's where we get out of control spending. That's where we get out of control. Um, you name it, and uh, you know, Congress refuses to flex its muscles, and I think that's because Congress likes it when, you know, when I have, uh, first of all, it's it's, it's a uniparty anyway, um, so they, you know, they like uh, having the ability to have their bidding done without being accountable to the population.
3: I, 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 uh, certainly wouldn't disagree with any of that, except I think if you follow the money, you get a totally different conclusion, Kevin. I mean, there's the whoever is running the place. I mean, and, and don't think. I mean, they they have the entire population, v- virtually all of it, in this absolute pissing match between two morons running for president, and everybody. And yet, the people writing the bills are writing themselves checks by the day, and I don't think they care about this place ten years from now. And somehow or another, there's nobody in Congress strong enough to stop any of it. And and, and, uh, and they're sure not to get any kind of consensus to do it and you can't cross the aisle because those guys are getting checks from the same people the thing somehow or another is totally out of control in a cesspool of money and I don't and, and they, whoever it is is amazingly happy with whoever lands in the president's spot as long as they're not a bull in the pasture. The people in Davos they took a survey and said uh, they're okay with Trump everything will be okay it'll be okay for them all right. same way with Biden, it'll be okay for them. They don't. Doctor Jay used to say that the, the best thing that ever happened for rich people was Obama, and he's supposed to have been there for the little guy. No, nobody has been there for the little guy forever.
0: Well, he, sure. I
2: mean, you were talking the other day about um, you know about the uh, the number of people who can't afford their um, you know can't afford to have procedures done, and so they uh, delay them. And some of that was related to not being able to get in during the uh, Covid overreaction, Um, but some of that is just ongoing where people have these Obamacare compliant insurance plans that have twelve thousand dollar deductibles. So if you have a three thousand dollar procedure you have to do and you can't afford to do it, you're not getting in. And so you know who got screwed the most by that by that that change to the insurance industry that uh, that the uh, bill caused? Exactly the the little guy.
3: Okay, but. The, 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 the people, don't take this wrong, the people on the right continue to blame the Obamacare. The, the, the insurance, and, and maybe you, but not very many people, could describe it in any sort of depth what the, what the layout of, of hospital payments was before Obamacare. It was, it was a cesspool. Oh, it was, but
2: I knew you could, you could get uh, um, deductibles for $500 or less. and a bull. I
3: had them. So how, I, was some work, I was working private then. I
2: wasn't, uh, I wasn't working for I'm, the... I'm saying the, the, the like whole
3: the whole thing was a disaster in the sense of who paid hospice... I could go through it, but it takes a while. Because they had Medicare, they had Medicaid, they had the Cadillac insurance policies, they had other people, you know, and a lot of people just weren't covered at all. Now, Hillary made a swipe at it, and all she did was get abuse. I don't know what her plan even was, whether it was any good or not. She took a swipe at it, and the next goofball... Uh, George Bush totally ignored it for eight, year, eight years as it got worse and worse and worse. The entire progression of cost, pro- projection of, of, cons- of consolidation in the insurance industry, consolidation in the hospital industry has been a relentless onslaught for 30 years. Doesn't matter who's been in office at all. And Obamacare is just one thing along the way that the, all the stuff that's happened to the insurance companies and the difference in, in, uh, in, all, in all the prices and all that stuff, Obamacare happened to be there. If it wasn't there, it'd be the same thing. Kevin these people are relentless. We had a we had a HS I, I
2: understand that Tom, but my point stands. We did not have the the size of deductibles that were necessary to make insurance affordable for most people. Once they threw in all of the things that you that the insurance had to cover, um, and, and we didn't have the size of the deductibles. That is now a disincentive to get preventative care.
3: But I tell you what, Kevin, I had personal experience. Um, we had, uh, this is a while ago, we were one of the first people. I mean, we are pretty good at this stuff. We told everybody in the place, okay, here's what we're going to do. If you, if you want, um, this, you know, this PTI, and my brother always did a great job on getting us insurance. We did a deal for uh, everybody got a health savings plan. That Then there's two kinds. One's where you got to use it or lose it, and one you can keep it. It's almost like another IRA. All right, so if you had a five thousand dollar deductible, you could deduct five thousand dollars a year and put it in this savings account.
2: Yeah, not quite. I think five is a little high for what you could save, but you could build it up, and and you
3: you, you, you could build it easily
2: satisfy your deductible with the agency. Well,
3: Mike, I think the plan we had was five and five. The deductible it might have been five and three. I don't remember, Kevin. You might be right there, but whatever it was, I had. We didn't have it for five years before I had to use it. We had it for like, I thought it was whatever. So say it was, anyway, I got I got 15 grand in this account. And I'm thinking, hey, this this thing's starting to build up. It's going to be a nice little IRA. This is this is 15 years ago, right? Well, I'm thinking five grand a year times another two, however many years before I retire. This is going to look pretty good, especially if I make any money at it. Uh, we only had like three choices, so it was, it was a horrible plan, but still. So all of a sudden, I got almost 15 exactly in there. And this is... Kevin this is 10 12 15 years ago all of a sudden I have I had three things and it was a knee it was something else something else where the doctor said, okay go see a specialist and oh by the way go get an MRI the specialist and the MRI together all three times were like 4950 right under the five grand so in like eight months time I had nothing in there anybody doesn't think that there was collusion all over the place for that number to be right below what the insurance company had to pay something for, I got a bridge for you. It's been that way for, I mean, it, it is relentlessly crooked, Kevin, and it doesn't matter which buffoon has been in office, it just gets worse every year. And if the, for Republicans say it's Obamacare, or for somebody else to say Bush didn't do anything, we're all idiots. The fact is, these guys are in control. Why don't we just okay. agree to that?
2: Tom, let, let's make sure you understand what I said. I did not say it was all because of Obama care. No. What we were talking about was Obama didn't do anything for the little guy, and in fact he did not, and he just made it worse. He and the, and, and his party made it worse with the legislation they passed. he That's a very reasonable statement to make. I think that for and, people and I, and I will defend I think, it. I actually think you're definitely.
3: wrong. In a, in, on what level the chessboard are we talking here? On the top you're have level, to
2: explain that question. I don't understand it.
3: On the top level of the chessboard, you're absolutely correct. The Obamacare plan didn't do anything for cost. Didn't do anything for anybody. In on in, in, in the big picture, but on the bottom picture, with Obamacare, somebody making twenty grand a year was much more likely to get insurance than they ever had before.
2: Yeah, and so they had their catastrophes covered. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, what you, what you did was uh, you, you took things that could easily be, fit, you know, that would your deductible could be affordable uh, to be able to get pre- various preventative care uh, services. And uh, and and, I, and I'm not even talking about you know I, I I'm not an advocate for things like doctor's appointments and. Uh, and so on being there I think I think routine care is not what you insure. you ensure people's illnesses you ensure people's injuries and but when I, so when I say preventative care that's when uh, you find a lump and you go in for the mammogram um, you know things like that um, so and I think they have created a huge that, that that particular bill whether it was piling on or creating it in the first place doesn't matter it was making it a problem for people to go in and have that done uh, because they couldn't afford it, and that's an example of Obama not doing a damn thing for the little guy. I,
3: like I said, the, in the big picture, to do anything of that magnitude and not address costs is incredibly ignorant, which, which is the way the bill was. But and the well,
2: I think to do anything of that magnitude is incredibly ignorant and on its own. Without but any but the idea,
3: But some people were able to get... We're able to get insurance that never could have before. So, I mean, in, in some, but the cost of that was you made the thing even bigger for the idea. I, I would agree with you, Kevin, but we're so far past that. We're so far past somebody, um, you know, breaking a finger or cutting themselves, uh, doing something and going to the emergency room and the bill's five grand for four stitches. We're so far beyond any kind of reasonableness that anybody, anybody can write that check. I mean, it, we're not even on the same planet. That we ought to be. I, mean, I think we both agree on that.
2: Yeah, I would agree on that, yeah.
3: I mean, that's just insane. SP futures up 19, Futures up 110. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at Luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox. At Luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks.
3: Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I'm, back, Stash and I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 20. NZ Futures up 111. We don't care about no stinking interest rates. We don't care about any of that stuff. And the, the odd part of this, and this is not... Greg and I were talking about it yesterday. The odd part of this is you're going to have 48 swinging idiots and on and, and TV today talking about the Fed lowering interest rates as if it's going to be a big goose to the market, which it probably will be, by the way. Uh, not one will say that since the Fed started raising interest rates, the market's up from that point. How many people do you think, check that out, Greg, one in a 1,000? Market go up. Market go up. Market, market go up. Make market go up. And you've got two guys running. One is dying. They have the market up 30% from here by the election. The other guy's looking for a crash. I mean, it's absolutely... It's, you look at this and you go, what, what? God, this planet Earth is getting weirder and weirder by the day. Uh, Nikkei up 497, 1.4%. Hang Seng, however, cannot get out of its own way, down 83 more, uh, 15,308. I'd be stunned if they go below 15,000, but I was stunned at 16, 17, and 18. Uh, Shanghai, down 13, 28, 32. Um, there's got to be a ticking time bomb there somewhere. I hope it doesn't go off. Uh, DAX up 24, up a little bit, 0.1%. FTSE up 26.3 percent CAC around up 53 cents. Let's call that flat. So Europe slightly up, but not, not as... Not as uh, Crazy as we are. here. Yesterday, the Dow up 201, S&P up 41, NASDAQ up 200. Uh, Boeing, which ducked under 200 the other day with all their jet problems, was back up over 210 yesterday, so it bounced back pretty strong. Uh, today, it's down a buck 84 at 209.77, but still you know, kind of weighs off the low, 5%, considering uh doesn't seem to be any resolution of that problem yet. Uh, hopefully, there will be soon. Ten, you're up uh, 10 basis points, 413 uh, the bond down two basis points, 2.28. Japan up one at .67. So we're up to 4.1, almost 4.14 in the 10-year, and the, and the market is unchanged from that move, maybe even up. It's interesting. Oil down 2 cents, 74.06. Brent down 10 cents, 79. Natural gas down 6, 263. Our bond unchanged, 217. We've got gold uh, bouncing back again today, up 14 bucks, 2035 sort of trying to get back in the middle there of the two thousand fifty where it was for quite a while silver up fourteen cents twenty two ninety five still under twenty three copper up two cents three seventy seven we have bitcoin up three eighty forty one thousand two ninety four And the u.s. dollar which has been bouncing bouncing pretty steady today the euro is is up a little bit and the dollar is down a little bit to the euro one oh eight eight and the british pound is down so the dollar is up against the pound which is one two seven A lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you got for us? Traffic weather sort. Bulls win again.
4: Morning, everyone. 639 here in Chicago. We've got about uh, 19 degrees right now, a little bit of snow, probably 25 today. Cold in Phoenix, about 48 right now, 75 today. Traffic, not so great. Inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 13. From Lake Cook, 32. From Wolf, 39. Um, Ryan, 95th to the interchange is 29 minutes, and the Stevenson's backed up. We've got 294 to the Ryan at 52 minutes. Bulls beat the Raptors. That was 116 to 110. And in uh, NHL, Coyotes lose at Canucks. That was one to two. Men's college ball, Illinois wins at Michigan, 88 to 73. In college or in NFL football, Bears interviewed Cliff Klingsberry Former Stanford coach David Shaw interviews at the Titans. And college ball, Bill O'Brien probably being named as Ohio State OC pretty soon.
3: And that's all I got, Chief. So, uh, Kevin, what did you make of the... Uh, I watched the Bulls last night. They were on national TV and not on a normal one. And the two guys doing the game, evidently, uh, the Raptors just traded for some guy who's really good. Is it Russell or what the hell's the guy's name? Uh um, don't know.
2: No. Wasn't paying attention.
3: You would, you would swear he was the only player on the court last night. All they did was talk about the guy. What a super! I was never so happy to see the Raptors lose my life, <laughs> because all they did was talk about this one guy, I and mean, it was like, I mean, what kind of announcing that was? I, I have no idea. But anyway, would you, would, you, right,
2: would you? Hey, before before we get anywhere else, we we have to put Greg on some important bumper music to play, because there are there are two birthdays today that we should celebrate. Really? Yeah, one of those is that Dolly Parton yeah. is seventy five today. Good for her. We've got to find the Dolly Parton bumper music. And Janis Joplin would be 81 if she were alive.
3: When did when did she croak? She, was she 30?
2: 1970. So uh, she was born in 43. So what's that, 53, 63? The season's years. changed. And she was less than 30. Yeah. She was less than 30. She was like 27.
3: And what was her band? You know, I don't know else does.
2: Big Brother in the Holding Company.
3: Yeah. She was... Uh, I uh, I think our—would our, you say our generation got stripped of a lot of its talent by drugs? Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, really. If you if you think of some of the music they could have, they could have, uh, you know, continued to make. Um, whether whether it's Joplin, whether it's Jim Morrison, nine five could be standard stocks and jots music.
3: Yeah. The, so uh, uh,
2: yeah, so we, we do that, but you know whether Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, you know you think of some of the the music that could have been made for decades, um, I, you know I, I just think it's it's a damn shame that we lost those people.
3: Well, Jen Belushi could have been our generation's Jackie Gleason, and he yeah, wasn't. Absolutely. Uh, you know whatever. So what, what do you make of sent? Uh, the the gang here at Stacks and Jacks. We should I should probably put some of this on the on the site. I mean, then again, Greg's not here all day. But uh, this is from uh, who the hell is Athlon Sports Kevin? Anyway, the, the
2: I, I I recognize the name. I don't know what they do.
3: Anyway, with all the college, you know, Greg was just going through some of the college football coaching movement. Well, it's it's caused an amazing amount. So was it what the computer in. Uh, lost the space, he'd either say, was it either calculating or he'd say something else was uh, it does not compute or something like that. I, I'm, I'm recalculating my amount of people I think it takes to uh, to really handle this portal because this article is by Alec Arend A-R-E-N-D. It has to do college football program loses 9 players to transfer portal in 30 minutes. So the article, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but basically Nick Saban retired, all right. It sparked a trickle-down effect across college football. Saban's retirement led to Kalen DeBoer leaving Washington to Alabama, Jed Fish leaving Arizona for Washington, and Brent Brennan leaving San Jose State for Arizona. So you got Piggy move up, move up around all over the damn place. Now, all four college programs are experiencing major turbulen- turbulence as a result. Among others, Alabama is losing a pair of freshman All-Americans, and safety Caleb Downs, I, I remember. I remember that guy. He was pretty good. Offensive lineman Caden Proctor, I don't, I don't remember him, Kevin. You probably do. You're more of an offensive line dude, but
2: yeah, I, I don't remember
3: him though. Washington, uh, get a little this. Washington, meanwhile, has just two starters returning from last year's playoff team. So you wonder why they lost the mission. Now they only have two guys coming back from 22. That's and now Arizona is not the latest of the bunch to be impacted by the coaching changes. The Wildcats, who joined the Big 12 next season, lost nine players in 30 minutes to the NCAA transfer portal on Wednesday. Most notable departure is running back Jonah Coleman, who had 1,150 yards and six touchdowns. That's a big year. Mm-hmm. Brennan, like Fish at Washington and the is going to have to rebuild parts of the roster this off-scene. It, I, what do you make of this? I mean, is this...
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I've been... Watching it up close and personal with the uh, Notre Dame basketball program, because when Mike Bray left last year, uh, all but two players that were, you know, that could have returned, opted out, uh, and um, uh, and one of them sat out last year, and the other one was uh, seldom used. So they even they really didn't play together much. They practiced together some.
3: Now, did they and, land? Did they land and, with a scholarship? And, and
2: also, two of the two of the three freshman recruits opted out. So, um, and, and you were going to ask, uh, uh, did they land
3: who? Did they, did they land somewhere decent with a scholarship, or they clunked themselves? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. One of no, one of them's a, a starter at Vanderbilt, and the other's a starter at Syracuse.
3: Okay, so they were decent, All right? Fair enough. Oh,
2: yeah, well, they were good players. I mean, God, they could use them this year. <laughs>
3: but but, but do you know of anybody who? Said, screw it! I'm going to the portal, and all of a sudden, they don't come out the other end. They're just lost in there, and they're paying well, tuition the, someplace.
2: The, the, uh, no, I, I'm not aware of anybody in this situation that did that. So, but but the reason I, I bring that up is because what you what you watch for the coaching challenge is that all of a sudden he's got to bring in, he's got to go find players. So he's got some freshmen, some of the freshmen who were going to go to Penn State. Um, you know, followed him uh, and instead, you know, changed their minds and, and came to uh, Notre Dame. But then, you know, then he's hitting the transfers as well. And, uh, you know, uh, long story short, none of them have ever, you know, the first time they walk on the court for their first game is the first time they walk on the court and any of them play together. Uh, and, and so that whole process is really, really elongated. Um, and that's you know so that's a challenge for a coach, uh, and then on top of it, um, you have uh, uh, it, you know uh, you, you, you well you're just dealing with the newness. They're all dealing with the newness of their situations. You know, new new school, new place, new you know, got to adapt to all of it, and it creates you know the skill set to be a successful college coach now is. That, you know, especially if you're going to get uh, promoted somewhere, your whole skill set is to see how fast can I uh, cobble together a team that could actually play, play the sport together. And I think that's, that's an incredible challenge that never existed before.
3: It's, 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 it's beyond the scope of what I consider to be normal coaching. But I can't imagine Ray Meyer or Digger Phelps doing that.
2: Well, yes and no, Tom. I I would agree to a point that it's beyond hit what normal coaching has been historically, but in the real world, um there are lots of people that have uh, uh that have to do, you know, that go in and take over and they have a lot of people uh, jump ship. Now, my my first management job, I look back to 1981. That's exactly what happened is, you know, they, they when when I got hired there, they, you know, they brought me in because things were Really, really screwed up. and and they tried to give me a good idea of exactly how screwed up everything was. and you know everybody was candid and honest and it was still worse. So you know, it was like it, it was like two years of just working to get stability. But a big part of that was that everybody who was there already, who was still there already when I got there, and that was all the legacy knowledge in my case, um, but everybody who was still there, you know, they, they all felt like they, you know, the firings were coming uh, soon, that they were going to get canned, so they just tried to jump ship ahead of the proxy, and there was no way I could reassure them uh, otherwise. So I, you know, the first thing I did was I lost a lot of people, right. and I was keeping the place afloat by myself, basically, until I could get the staff in line that I wanted, and the skill sets that I wanted, and so on. It is not an unusual skill set in the real world. It's just an unusual skill set for uh, uh, college coaches. Well,
3: I mean, I I'm going to guess here, and this is a I don't know how I learned this way, but I learned differently than most people, and I don't I don't I don't use the big numbers. I'd never be a politician and say, "Oh God, these labor numbers are great; everybody's fine." I, I, I would never do that. It's, it's why I'm not a politician. But um, I'm looking at. Let's say Matt Weber's name comes flying through the portal. Now he wants to leave in a sidewash state. And he's he's never been a starter. He's a freshman. He looked like he was pretty good in high school. Uh, there's no game film on him. Or if there is, if I see the name come through, I'm gonna say, uh, Greg Pappas, take two of your buddies, go through all the game films, see if you find this guy's any good or not. Uh, if there is no game film, I don't know that practice film is available, is it? Or, or is it going by, I doubt it. Right, uh,
2: probably not, certainly not available to uh, um, somebody outside of that program. No, you're, you're uh, dealing with high school uh, um, stuff.
3: All right, And, 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 and maybe that's
2: why so many of these guys that transfer are transferred a coach that recruited them the first time around.
3: All right, so but I'm going to say, except for people just leaving because they don't like the new coach, a lot of them are looking for money. So, okay, a guy comes through there. He's got a pretty good reputation. He had a pretty good high school thing. He's still not starting as a sophomore, so he's obviously not All-American. Did he stop growing? Did he – I mean, how how do I I sit there and go, do we want this Weber guy? All right, you guys can't find any films. What is he looking for? Well, he's looking for top dollar because they're all – everybody's got a price. Or he probably got a – you know, what what do they call a guy in the middle who's always the – at least it's been named for because in Mexico you always had people like this when you did business uh, guys in the middle they're like uh, uh, what's the term let's call him
2: a middleman a
3: middleman yeah I'll so so somebody's gonna call up there's somebody to call and 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 maybe it's a phone number maybe it's a text and you're gonna get either the kid the old man the uncle or, or one of these guys and they're gonna say man this kid he's been knocking him dead in practice he's gonna be a starter next year right here you don't know that uh by the way, he he was six two. Now he's six three. He was benching, you know, two hundred. Now he's benching two thousand. I mean, wh- whatever bullshit they give you, basically. And now you got to sit there and say, what kind of an offer do we give this guy? Do we give him the standard? All the offensive linemen go to Joe's Pizza and they get twenty five grand a year. Do we give him more than that? Do we give him the the second level? Oh, by the way, if he's going to be, you know, the next Willie Rolf, do we do we get let Nike or Under Armour talk to him and give him a A a deal, and make sure he comes to Sidewash. I mean, how how do you do that when there's 400 names there?
2: Yeah, I suspect the schools are starting to figure that out, though. That they, you know, that now that now that we're going into uh, what year three of this, um, there there are becoming some uh, standard operating procedures on that. Uh, So I, I, I worry less about that and more about the, you know, the the coaches. Because what's their concern going to be? Well, their concern is going to be about you know fit for the team, and it's it's not. Go back to the Micah Shrewsbury case. It doesn't surprise me um, that he he took in transfers from um, uh, Northwestern and Rutgers, um, not frontline players from those teams, but uh, or at least they weren't at the time. They may have become that. But Julian Roper from Northwestern and Tay Davis from Rutgers, because he coached against them last year, so you know there there is a familiarity angle that's part of that. Um, so and, and you know I think smart coaches can fill th- out so that they a- actually can fill out their team. Uh, so you're worrying about the financial part of it, but I think the coaches you know worry about that as part of the equation, but they're much more concerned. I, I, I think than you're basketball games. Yeah, you're
3: you're. you're from basketball to football y- you might get away with familiarity. I mean I, let's put it this way. If I uh, if all of a sudden I wanted to expand PTI securities and all of a sudden people dumped you know, a, a billion dollars on us or something uh, which by the way we could handle um, I could easily tomorrow I mean I have a pretty good reputation uh, uh, I could put out I wouldn't even have to put out a, uh, what do you call it? I have, I have three or four people that would quit their jobs tomorrow to come work with us and, and be happy. that have been trading floor experience. The familiarity is is right there, Kevin, and, and these are people I traded next to. These are people I know could, sti- could think on their feet and would be terrific for clients. Okay, that, that gets me to 10 people. It gets me to a basketball team. If all of a sudden we're going to have... 15 branches. Now it's a football program. I can't do that just from people that I know and traded with. I have to have some sort of a human resources. I'm going to have to go to colleges interview people, a training program, all that kind of stuff. It's a totally different world, I think. Football, an 85-man roster versus a 15-man roster.
2: I, and w- would that not factor into your plans then for, uh, uh, for expansion?
3: Well, it, well, yeah, but I'm saying these football coaches never did this before. And all of a sudden in three years, Where's your 15 people watching the portal all day long?
2: Well, and, and we are seeing the templates for that, though. Aren't We're we? also seeing a lot of guys quit. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of guys go, but, you know, what do they do? Well, the, you know, they get half of the guys they bring in used to play for them at the other place.
3: Well, uh, so. but, th- but I'm saying that's the easy part. But I'm saying if you really want to go to uh, managing this, it's going to come a day when it's just like the, well, the Patriots, they Patriots and do so good the last few years. It's going to come a day when some school is gonna get so good and have so many people that finds ways to see film, finds ways to figure out if this guy is really is any good in practice, would he really have started next year? Did he really get bigger? Did he really get stronger? Is he is he a buffoon? Does he show up for, there's gonna be people who that's that's gonna become a massive art form. And and it's the I, I
2: think I think it's already in the prog- in the I, process. I don't think
3: anybody could have ramped up this fast. Oh yes. Not I mean, there, there is a, a a huge, coaching, but, yeah, I, but I mean,
2: they're, they're not not everybody has ramped up this fast. But uh, but yeah, oh yes, yeah, some of them have.
3: But I I think let's put it this way: if if uh, all if, if all of a sudden there was, I hired four or five really good people, and you know we were managing a bazillion dollars, which I don't know if I really want to do, but because I like just the people I have, but I would take a few more, I guess. Um, I I'm not so sure, Kevin, that if if, if if Greg Pappas is my offensive line coach and we lose a guy, and I say, gee, how the hell did Kevin O'Neill find out about that guy at such a great spring practice? Hey, he's a he's a buddy of mine. I coached with him at you know Oregon Oregon Slippery Rock. I told him, yeah, the guy's really good. The day he left. You told him what? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the, the camaraderie they have when you get to steal people from each other, that's going to go the way of the dodo bird, Kevin.
2: Well, the, the camaraderie is, is going to be a little bit different, but you, you also see, you know, it, uh, take a situation like um, Lincoln Riley at USC. His first year they had a pretty good team. Um took him a little bit of time to get their uh, act together, but he had Caleb Williams. He brought Caleb Williams from Oklahoma with him, so that, that sort of helped the cause. And um, uh, But the second year was a fallback year for them. And that's, you know, that's not going to be unusual as well, that people are going to be able to bring in enough to get off to a good start, but that this is what you're talking about is uh, is the thing that takes time is building a sustainable model.
3: I, I don't I, think that these coaches are going to be able to. The demands of alumni that you win every single year in this system, I don't see anybody doing that. Everybody's you know, losing you, people.
2: You, but you have to if you if you want to stay at a place for a long time, then you're going to have to have a sustainable model for it. And there are, you know, there are plenty of coaches who get settled in and they stick at a place for a well, long. How many, time. How many, how, every, a yeah. well, how many big names got booted this year? Not every job is considered a stepping stone job.
3: But how many big names got booted this year? Because all of a sudden, whatever he did before didn't work at the new place. Maybe, who maybe got
2: who, who got booted? Well, Dabo,
3: uh, or Jabbo, what the hell guy's name? And uh, you know,
2: Dabo uh, Sweeney. No, he's still
3: there. Who's the Texas a and guy? They they got rid of after. Uh,
2: oh, Jimbo. No, no, he he sucked for several years.
3: But what I'm, what I'm saying is, the alumni are demanding stuff that maybe people can't can't deliver in this. Because if you if you recruit too many good people and they're not playing, the 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 ability of the Alabamas and Ohio States to, to have depth beyond anybody else, I think, is severely compromised now.
2: Yeah, don't use Jimbo Fisher as a uh, uh, as an example, though, because I thought he was a bad hire in the first place. Oh, that's, so that
3: that could be. Hey. uh Speaking of which, I don't remember this too much, but every single time I go to my phone or any anything, all I hear is a bunch of idiot bear fans back and forth, back and forth. And one of the bears, everybody's a general manager these days. I don't recall that guy in Southern Cal being that good when he played Notre Dame. It's the only time I saw him play. Matter of fact, I thought he kind of sucked. But
2: no, and and, and they, I mean, they, they sacked him like six times in the game. So that, you know that his his lack of
3: blocking. Oh, wait, okay. Wait, oh, whoa, 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 Kevin, you can't do that. You cannot go there. If it's a, a Bear fan, will never, if you're on your back the whole game, it doesn't matter. You didn't complete the deep ball. Because that's how dumb they are.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Tom, but this, but not, not really the point I was trying to I know,
3: make. but you're saying the kid is pretty good.
2: He, he, he is very good. Okay. Uh, what's, what's interesting is I, I heard an interview, and this goes back a ways, um, it, it, was, it was a Milwaukee uh, station interview, and the, they were talking about um, Jordan Love and uh, the, uh, court, the, you know, the quarterback who has really evolved this year um, at Green Bay and uh, it was an interview with a, a scout who said and this was early on before he had had much success and said you don't evaluate a quarterback well the way you evaluate a quarterback is you, uh, you look at him on his best days And you say that's the guy we can have. Now, you know, it's up to him and his coaches to become consistent, to develop that consistently, which is a choice of offense that you run, a choice of plays that you call for, uh, you know, how you develop the mechanics, the throwing mechanics, all of those things that are involved in developing a quarterback. So the quarterback's got to put in the work. The coach has got to put in the work. You got to maximize what the guy can do, and that and that has proven to be pretty prescient when it comes to Jordan Love, because he would, he, you know, early on he had some very good games and some very bad games, but now he is consistently getting more of the good games.
3: Did you see the? Uh, I don't think it was the first let bear me, game. Let me finish yeah. the thought,
2: and you can ask the All question. Right. Now, you could apply that to, um, uh, you know, to the Bears situation. And so now you would say, okay, um, Justin Fields, what, you know, how good is he on his best days? And, he, and on his best days, he, said he had some games this year that were just knockout games. So you would say, okay, how you know, can, the, can the Bears and can their coaching staff develop him into that guy on a regular basis? Now, I would also say, however, before we get too hung up on that thought, that you would apply the same thing to Caleb Williams. So if you look yeah. at what Caleb Williams did on his best days as well, there's a lot to work with there.
3: Well, the kid from uh, um, um, I have one one more question to ask you, before we get uh, Carl on here, we'll probably not. I want to go to break, but the uh, how was I was going to say everybody's got him going for like a, a bag of balls and something. Uh, Justin Fields, but if the freaky part about the Green Bay guy is the guy puts up this chart, Brett Favre sat three years before he started. Rodgers uh, uh, sat three years before he started. This guy sat three years before he started. And after, whatever it was, seven games, they were both four and three, and how many yards they had thrown, and how many interceptions and touchdowns, all three of them were almost exactly equal. Who did who did Favre sit behind it? I'm getting to I don't remember that.
2: Um, actually, Favre... Favre um, I, I can't. It might have been Don Mikowski for a year or for part of a year, but Favre wasn't even drafted by the Packers. He was drafted, I think, by Atlanta.
3: Right, and, um, and McCarthy. To
2: the Packers, so he sat there as well.
3: And that McCarthy, the guy before McCarthy, grabbed him. Oh, what the hell was his name? He went to Seattle.
2: Um, oh, the guy who went to Seattle.
3: Yeah. Hey, I got a quick one about the Hawks.
2: Well, uh, um, so uh, one other thing is, I, as far as the Bears go, I would have no objection to them keeping fields and drafting a quarterback and let them to get out and let the best man win. This is this has been done before. This was um this was the uh, Cowboys taking Steve Walsh from Miami and uh, um you know the guy uh, uh um that's on TV all the time now
3: it works. For Troy, Aikman. Troy Aikman Troy
2: Aikman Yeah and and Aikman was the the better guy so they dealt Walsh off to Cleveland.
3: Well, they they drafted Um, a name.
2: Thing is, if you look at San Diego, um, they drafted, um, and now I'm trying to remember his name. But they had Drew Brees, and they went a couple of years with Drew Brees, and they weren't entirely satisfied with what they had, and so they drafted David Rivers, and they had both of them on the team for a year, and then they they decided that they wanted to settle on Rivers, and they traded Brees to um, uh, to New Orleans, and both of them had really good careers. So.
3: I was um, watching the Hawks real quick. It's
2: doable to have two guys at the same time well, for a year or two if you need
3: to. It's hard when you've already dumped seven number one draft picks in the 20 years in quarterback. But Yeah, I understand. Um, but I was watching the Hawks, and like I, I promise you, Carlin. the uh, they had some guy doing the color commentary, and the Hawks had somehow scored a, a, a power play goal, and they actually looked good on another one. And this guy goes, they're actually playing pretty good tonight, but, but let the record reflect or something like that. He goes... The Hawks don't have one starter on their power play that could play on anybody else's power play in the entire league. That's how bad they are. I mean, it's maybe the, maybe the one kid was hurt. He, I think the kid might have had his broken jaw or something.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, Connor Bedard would be the guy on there. <laughs> yeah, and he go, Have you ever heard
3: anybody say they liked? That TV? How,
2: how not on a podcast, but it can be true.
3: It can be true. Kevin, thank you very much. Have a good weekend. When are our, uh, the men playing? When?
2: Men don't play this weekend, and the uh, women are on Sunday.
3: All right, bud. Take care of yourself. I'll give you a buzz. S&P futures up 27. Nasdaq futures up 135. We're going to go up every day till the election. Everybody's got it all figured out. Do we want to just go right to Carl, or do you want to go to break? Well, yeah, you can go right to me. Let's go right to Carl. <laughs> Carl, uh, are, are you buying NVIDIA and Microsoft today and making 1% a day like everybody else? Uh, no, that would be a no. Well, why not? It's obvious.
5: Well, okay. Um... With, when it cracks it'll be about the same way that it did when I was sitting in a hotel room down in Florida in 2000
1: I think I was, Yeah, but you might I have was, I was
5: house shopping the, the morning that it blew up and woke up after having had a nice evening around the pool at the hotel with my at the time uh, not much more than a toddler daughter uh, and a few adult beverages of course uh... Turned the TV on to CNBC, saw the Nasdaq uh, down huge, and chuckled and went back to sleep because I didn't have anything long, and so I, uh, I could care less. I thought it was funny. Of course, all the people on the other side didn't think it was very funny. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> what What do you? I mean, I, I mean,
3: it is, I think, somewhat different this time. In, in some oh way. yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Okay, Nvidia. Nvidia is actually going to own the world.
3: No, Microsoft is. They're together. There'll be a duopoly. Uh, please, please.
5: I uh, look. AI. Don't don't take this the wrong way. So-called artificial intelligence is is absolutely a you know a useful technology in certain places. Okay, I mean if you have, I I have a order that I put in to Amazon. Um, because I did something stupid about a week and a half ago and it, it blew up a couple of pieces of equipment in one of my computers uh, and it was my fault it wasn't I mean it could have happened by an accidental failure it, it happened because of a stupidity and um, I didn't happen to have I had enough hardware here at the house to cover the problem but then of course I had to replace the stupid right so I order up the pieces and one of them shows up exactly as expected. The other one uh, is not here on time. So I go online and I go into my account. I, you know, hey, where's my stuff, right? And, and of course, the robot answers me. Now, before AI, that would have been a human, OK? Uh, and the robot gives me a, a series of, you know, well, you know, what's this, what's the you know, which order are you talking about, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine, as far as that goes. And yes, that's cheaper than a human. And therefore, that will end up being something that gets taken over. It, it, it already has been taken over. Fine. However, um, there's... now Now throw it a curveball... That it can't deal with because it's not part of its solution set, and all of a sudden you get a human.
3: Yeah, but tomorrow it's going to learn. And it'll know, right? Or this thing doesn't learn. No, that. no,
5: it won't. That's the problem. It, it, this is, it, it, there is no such thing as artificial intelligence.
3: Okay, we
5: we need to stop this. I,
3: I would agree. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm learning it, from it, you on this. Yeah,
5: it it doesn't exist. Computers are very good pattern matching devices. That's what they do. Okay, It's one of the reasons that over the last three years I've been screaming so much about all this, this stuff with regards to the virus is that a 30-second a query to the Medicare and Medicaid databases because the government has every medical record for every person in either one of those two programs okay, would have disclosed a whole bunch of really useful information during the pandemic. Like, for example, how come these guys are or aren't dying that are using blah medication okay and, and you could do this for a hundred different drugs and you had to expose nobody to any risk because they were already taking them for some other reason all right so there, w- there was no trial to be done in the field you didn't have to do a trial you had statistical correlation and statistical correlation doesn't prove cause, except that when it's across very very large data sets it sends a signal that if you are an honest person, is impossible to ignore.
3: Well, you've you mentioned uh, many times, and actually so has Kevin, um, that this has been a kind of a massive pr- process over the last, you know, pick a number, 50 years, where first you had the ability to sort stuff, but you didn't have the things that could control, that could keep enough data to where you wanted to sort it. And then guys like uh, Oracle and those places, weren't they the big data-gathering People that showed people how you can you can mass big amounts of information. Then people caught up even more on the on the search stuff. Then he needed more data. And it's who's who's chasing who now? Is the amount is the amount of data all over the place? In other words, uh, well, the,
5: well, the chief. Yeah, this is this is basically the you know what has happened here. Right? You know, I mean, I was I was in the middle of this. Okay, you know, I ran a company during all of this time. All the way back to the you know to the late 1980s, all right? We were doing computer installations all over Chicago, you know everything from large companies to little lawyers' offices with two PCs. Right? I mean that's what we did for a long time before there was an internet. And what what has occurred is that the cost of storage has has gotten so cheap, you you didn't used to keep everything because you couldn't you couldn't afford it. The only people who could afford it were people like A.C. Nielsen and IRI that were doing data analysis in, for, on the stuff that went across the scanners in grocery stores. IRI, by the way, pretty much invented that technology and then paid to put it into the grocery stores because it was stupidly expensive, those laser scanners, when they were first invented. The stores could not afford it, so they put the scanners in the stores in exchange for the data stream that came off of it. That well, was their
3: business model. Can I get an old historical question? Maybe by by have... the way, they put the checkers union out of
5: business by doing that. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they did. They they literally were the reason that because je- that, that used to be a unionized job because you actually had to have skill to be able to do that. Right. Yeah,
3: you had to have an incredibly strong right hand. You didn't want to be sacked by one of those ladies.
5: No, I'm just saying. You those had things, to, you were, had those to be,
3: machines, were manual.
5: Well, yeah, you had to be good. Yeah. Okay, because everybody expected it to be perfect.
3: For right? you to go for you to go as fast as they go now and then one of those machines was an art form. Oh, I you know, I remember growing up and seeing it
5: in yeah. the grocery store. Okay, it was crazy. Clack 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 <laughs> clack, clack bang. You <laughs> whoa. Yeah, and now, you know, now, of course, that's you know, that's all gone, right? Because, you know, technology advances and you, know, when you say
3: happen. laser scanning and all this stuff and how kind of new it is. As I recall, I was probably Oh man, this has to be I think that the first thing like that, and, I, and again, I, I'm asking you how the hell they even did it because I don't think the lasers were around. The first use of, you know, a bunch of different colored lines of different sizes was when railroads never used to be able to keep track of their box cars. Right. It's a, yeah. It was. A, it was. It was for railroad cars. Now, how did what did they use to scan the thing? It did was op- It's optical. It's it's it basically it, if you you know you don't. But it wasn't laser. It. it was what well, was I mean. Well, I but,
5: you, but you didn't need that because the the barcodes were large and you know, but yeah, I mean it was it's basically well, yeah they were
3: huge. It was like a foot by foot thing and maybe five different lines in there.
5: Right, and it's the, the, all it is is it's contrast detection. But you know, but a laser being you know being a coherent beam makes it. You know, makes it faster and easier and, and, and fast and easy is is of course you know when you're talking about barcodes on a well, you know, how come a all
3: the, how come all the railroad cars in the country needed needed only like five or six bars and now they, they, they scan something in the grocery store and there's like 20 of them there um,
5: well the UPC was a standardization and it was one of the things that was you know that was this nascent industry of essentially uh, you know got together formed a committee came up with the you know the, the entire set of coding there's a check digit in there so you know that the read was good because you know one of the bars might get damaged. You know, If it's on the label, you, know, you scratch it off a little bit, well then it won't read. You have to know that that's actually bad and not product, you know, a code for some other product. Okay. Right? So there's, you know, there's a check digit in there and things like this. But it's, and I know how all that works because I had to write software that dealt with this. It was one of my jobs uh, at one point in time. Is you know, it's to deal with the the back end data stream, not the actual scanning stuff. I was not involved in that, but the but the back end stuff, some of the processing, and that's uh, But but that's now, yo. Know, when I when I was running MCS, an eight gigabyte gigabyte now, hard disk was fifteen hundred dollars well the f- the first the first hard disk I personally owned was five megabytes, and the drive was twenty five hundred bucks
3: well I think the first uh, the original calculator the kids took to school was three hundred hours when I was in high school.
5: oh well, my dad had yeah. a had one of the original Monroe ones and it was it was three or four hundred bucks and all it did was add subtract multiply and divide
3: yeah my stepfather used to bring when he had work. To home we'd bring the the adding machine from the accounting yeah. place back to the house. Yeah he, a, yeah,
5: he was he was my dad was a CPA he used to yeah. do the same thing. Yeah.
3: But and, those, and those things tables. were those things were manual.
5: Yeah, they were. They were electrical.
3: Well, no. He
5: Oh, I, he didn't have well, I'm sure he did have, but well, I never eventually tried.
3: got the electrical one, but the uh but
5: Yeah, with the handle on the side. Yeah.
3: Well, you actually yeah. cranked the thing. It was, it was like a cash you, How long would it take? Even somebody like you or Kevin If all of a sudden, all the power in the world went out for somebody to invent a manual cash register or adding machine again,
5: Oh, Maybe, somebody you have to probably go
3: find one in a museum and dig it out and look at it or
5: something. I, I was going to say somebody would grab one of the you know one of the old ones and uh, you know figure out the how it was put together and make another but one. Can you imagine? Yeah,
3: how the, 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 the oh yeah,
5: I mean it's but see, chief, this is the thing: is the storage went from being ridiculously expensive. Okay, I mean when I you know when it when I the first hard disk I owned, your alternative was floppies. Okay, which held one hundred and seventy kilobytes on a side. All right, I mean it, it, you know, hello. Yeah. All right. And so 5 megabytes was a lot. And and then, you know, of course things go from there. Right now, I mean one of these one of these drives that I managed to blow up, okay, is a 1.9 terabyte solid state disk. It is the size of a credit card, well like three or four of them stacked, you know, on top of each other, okay? Um and it costs 220 bucks.
3: Okay. I mean, well, that's, yeah. that's.
5: I mean, that's no money. Right, right? So, by, so, by no you, uh, so
3: is the processing now chasing the storage, or is the storage chasing the processing? I mean, what are we all, we well, are talking about this. Yeah, I mean, so this AI, AI to me is is, is a two-year-later version of cloud. If you didn't say cloud well every other word two years ago, and if some company wasn't involved in the cloud, then you didn't want to buy them either.
5: And and that's basically so. So the challenge when all the what originally happened during the nineteen eighty late eighteen nineteen eighties and nineties, you had the ability to buy the storage as a as a reasonably sized company. The problem was you couldn't get the data into the computer and process it fast enough because, and this is why mainframes still had applicability in large businesses. the The issue was. The transport of the information from the storage device into the processing unit and into the memory, so that you could do whatever correlations you wanted on it, and then write it back out. Okay, and that was the place where the smaller computers just simply could not do the job. They just weren't. You had the storage available if you had money, reasonable amounts of money. You could not buy something that was fast enough on the processing side and on the transport side. That's where the next advance, you know, and, and it has come. And now you have, in your desktop or laptop machine, you have what's called NVMe, which is a, it's a little strip disk that's, that's about an inch high and, and four or five inches long. And it goes into the disk, it goes into your computer, and it is directly connected to the bus that the CPU is on. And so now, all of a sudden, this ability to move data around at, at you know, gigabytes per second uh, is is now in small machines. Okay, this is this is where the Nvidias and the AI stuff is is. That's how it becomes relevant. Okay, that's how it happened. Because if I'm going to process these huge data sets, I have to get the data into the machine, process it, and then you know do whatever I'm going to do with the results. And that's where the the you know that's what's happening now within these these reasonably affordable packages. You know, it, it's there's and and reasonably affordable is of course you know somewhat of a of a moving target right i mean what's what's the number you got to hit but we could not do i mean the stuff that i have you know what i have in my desktop what you have in your phone today 10 15 years ago forget about it i mean the, 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 i didn't care but how much but
3: of it do you a, use
5: well it, it, you know a fair bit all right i mean but this is what makes these things possible in that you know like the the newest versions of the phones, for example, you don't think of them as being you know I mean okay it makes it makes calls and you can do your Facebook thing or whatever have you, but they are now able to do internally in the device photo manipulation and things like removing things out of the background that you don't want in that shot completely in the device.: Have you ever seen those commercials? Well, and and it actually works, okay? Now, the processing power and data analysis that has to be able to be done in that little computer that sits in your pocket in order to do that, that was, I mean, (laughs) a few years ago, yeah, you could do that on a desktop machine, but it would take... Was there any any
3: reason for anybody to have, like, a cray or anything like that anymore?
5: Well, yeah, because the thing is supercomputers have advanced to the same... In the same sort of way, okay? Because what they do is they take arrays of these processors and put them together, and so this is the whole thing with AI and what they're doing, and why in, everyone thinks Nvidia is a you know is is the next wonderkind. There's there is a problem though, and I've I've been chasing this a little bit. I haven't quite unravelled the the onion, so to speak. And every time I peel back a piece of it, I find some more. You remember when Lucent blew up because they were leasing yeah. equipment? And, and carrying the leases back for people like Windstar, Lucent was okay. the
3: most widely held stack in the world for a long time. Yeah, well, they were they were
5: essentially self. They were they were
3: Western Electric, right? Uh,
5: uh, yeah, well, they they were the people that they made the switching fabric that underlay all of the telecommunications stuff. Right. So they, uh, yes, they essentially they, that was yeah. they weren't the only ones in the game, but they were the only ones that mattered.
3: But they they were when they broke up the bells. They were the equipment manufacturer, which essentially Western Electric.
5: Correct, correct. And so, but what blew that? What blew them up? The reason they blew up was that, in order to boost their sales, they were vendor financing things in, during the the go go years of the of the nineteen nineties. That other companies had trouble getting. At reasonable prices, because these were highly speculative things. Okay, these were companies that they didn't have an earnings history; they they had a loss history, and they're building out all this stuff. And uh, and oh, by the way, we need ten of your switches. Okay, well, these switches are you know thirty million dollars a piece, and and so it's like, well, you know, gee, we, where are we going to get the three hundred million bucks? The bank wants you know wants eight percent interest to write, to write that paper. <laughs> and so Lucent was carrying this stuff back. Well, when these companies blew up and couldn't pay, Lucent all of a sudden has a bunch of this equipment that is today is now it's worth 10 cents on the dollar. And it's all theirs again. Uh, oops.
3: Okay. They, they, had a, they moved their headquarters. As a matter of fact, the lady was on the show that was in the horrible traffic accident a few weeks ago. She lived in an area in New Jersey where they had moved.
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I there. It was. It was a pretty impressive. I mean, there was. You know, hey, these guys were not small potatoes.
3: Well, okay. but she, it was. It was something you don't necessarily see in Chicago. Because second half hour, I want to talk to you about how this labor stuff's going in the market here, because I, I do think a lot of people something think something is different this time, and so far, they're right and we're wrong. Carl, uh, but anyway. Yeah,
5: well, not, not for long, and i and Okay, but I mean, what.
3: we've said that, let's save that for the second half hour but, but in her neighborhood the neighborhood where she just got hit by a car and killed uh, her son, who's now 30-ish, was in like grammar school, and Lucent I think she said, I don't know how many people in the neighborhood work for Lucent all of a sudden the place went under Right. and the son's name is Max, good kid, and all of a sudden Max shows up for school two months later and instead of 25 in the class, there's like 12. Yeah. And there's got to be in her, I mean, I mean, the house is pretty big, so I won't call them blocks, but out of the 100 houses around her, 40 of them in for sale signs.
5: Yeah, well, I knew, uh, I knew someone who was a very good friend of mine that, that actually worked for them. Were they in Firehills? Was,
3: was She's in fire Hills. Was that? Was that, that
5: it was, was p- yeah, it, and I was out there at one point uh, not long uh, after all of the carnage. And yeah, I mean, essentially, the, the campus was, for all intents and purposes, deserted.
3: Yeah. Uh, how, did they they, from, how did they get well, from How they get from Cicero you're, you're, here in Chicago out out to there? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I guess you know, you you
5: find someone that makes you a better deal on real estate. Well, you the, build the, wherever you're going to go, all right? that
3: stuff, every, everything, this a little bit of a chunk of history here, probably before Carl even remembers. Uh, virtually every everything. I mean, I mean everything: phones, cable. Uh, big switching units was built at the Hawthorne plant here in Hawthorne, Illinois, right in Cicero. I guess they had our own little... Yep. And my uncle worked there in a second... I think they were... They weren't 24-7, but they were 24-6. What do you have, 30,000 people worked there, 25,000? Yeah,
5: it's, you know... Uh, well, look at the, the old Zenith. Remember the old Zenith plant that, yeah. was, you know, that did the picture tubes? Yeah. So, I mean, well, but the reason I bring this up is because NVIDIA... Has is the the so called incubators for all this AI stuff? There is a bunch of internally funded companies, and, and, and I haven't unraveled all this yet. Yeah, I've been, I've been
3: reading some of that too. I, I hesitate to mention uh-huh. on the air, but it, it's it's it. I uh, let, let me I, tell you something. If, yeah. if
5: any of that's chief, if that's
3: real, if any of it's real, it's a problem.
5: When when this goes sideways,
3: Nvidia's done. Plus, I I think they're right they're right on the edge of these rules with China. I think now I don't
5: know now I don't know if now I don't know if you know these allegations are real or not. Okay, because this is to, you know this is stuff that's been floating around.
3: it. the allegations right, that Carl's talking about are a, a lot of uh, podcasts and things where people are essentially saying they're padding their own they're padding their own. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, backlog.
5: Well, they well. Basically, what they're doing is loaning loaning a startup company a billion dollars that isn't really a billion dollars. It's a billion dollars worth of their chips. Yeah, which then gets shipped to the the startup company, and the startup company uh, doesn't have any revenue, doesn't have any money coming in, but they're doing a lot of AI stuff. Nvidia books this as a billion dollars worth of sales.
3: Right. They're 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 paying okay. their. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, well so, this yeah. is,
5: this is very similar to what Lucent was doing, however' it's, it is even more insidious in that Lucent didn't own any of the firms they were doing it with on a on a, an essentially an effective control basis, and the allegation is NVIDIA
2: does
3: Kyle, when I was at at Pullman, my le- they because the passenger unit was going out of business, they thought uh, they saved me by bringing me downtown. <laughs> So I, w- I was one of the guys they wanted to save, right? God, I hated it. The ivory tower, rather than my buddies in the plant, I, boy, I hated it. Well, all of a sudden, Pullman gets a bid by Willow Brader Fry to buy out Pullman. Well, Pullman Freight was having a big, big time year, right? So we put together a uh, business plan going forward. I mean, I did it, Robin, the lady I'm just talking about who, who just died. She was an tr- assistant treasurer, so she and I and two other people put this plan together. What we did was we took the stuff from all the different divisions. And at the time, uh, you know, Kellogg, Brown, and Root. Well, Kellogg was part of yeah. Pullman. I mean, they were part of Pullman. Um, we had Swindell. They had Trailmobile. That made, uh, and they had Pullman Freight and Pullman Passenger. So it was a big company. And uh, so we took everybody's most glossy versions of the future and put them all together on this thing. And Robin goes... There's no way we can finance it. This is a bunch of crap. But our borrowing limit's like a billion dollars, and i would have to borrow like four billion in the next three months if any of this was even true. Well, we forecast that Pullman Freight was going to be into a billion dollars worth of business, and this is when a billion dollars is like a real lot of dough. And, yeah. uh, so, guess who was like 90% of the uh, backlog? Remember, uh, I, remember, I tell. Oh yeah, ITEL was a Good. company that revolutionized um, essentially railroads and other things by saying, "Why do all these Why do all these railroads want to buy all their own box cars and see them disappear into the system and never see the box car again for ten years? Right? And, and why not just everybody lease them all? So right. ITEL bought every all the box cars and just leased them. So nobody cared because everything was le- all of a sudden one day. I what did they do? They did they, pay, they did something weird too, and all of a sudden one day they were out of business. Yeah, well, this is this is the problem
5: with this kind of engineering, is that yeah. it, it looks like it's genius right up until it blows up in your
3: face. Well, the, the, the thing we put in the Wall Street Journal, of course, we knew about it. Robin found out about the fact that these guys are going out of business like an hour after it happened because she knew people in I tell 'cause they because they were part of the backlog. Right. And, uh, so she said to the guys at Wheelabrator and these other people going, we we got to change this forecast. They go, oh, no, we don't want to change it. It looks too good. <laughs> the, the next year... <laughs> <laughs> the next year, Pullman Freight was out of business. Instead of making a making a billion dollars in revenue, they were out of business. Yeah, because because yeah. because it had gotten to the point where the railroads weren't or- ordering anything. ITel was doing like all of it, and all of a sudden they were gone.
5: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's that that happens, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, but this is th- that's why I say this stuff. You know, what's old is new again. Oh yeah. Okay, and and that's why I I am not. Not going to be a participant in the middle of this, you know, this run up, but especially with Nvidia, and this is why because I expect this is going to blow up in their face. I
3: just don't know when. uh, Before, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to make you think harder when we come back from break because I feel the same way you do. Yet I get this amazing feeling that something's different this time, and I'll tell you why when we come back from break. SPV is up twenty five fifty, NASDAQ is up one twenty four. Be right back, stacks and jacks.
0: 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks,
3: jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here,
5: right now, right
3: here, right now. Right Well North Bank Stocks and Jackson. I'm Tom Howell Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 25. NASDAQ Futures up 125. Dow Futures up uh, 228. Individual stocks, we've got Caterpillar up 240. Caterpillar got destroyed the other day, but it's coming back strong in the last two days. IBM up 341. That's a big move for IBM. And Microsoft, of course, is up 241. Travelers is up 1095. I think I did a spread there yesterday. I don't know if that's good for me or not. Uh, We were small. Travelers is up. They had earnings last night. Um... Let's see what's going on around the rest of the world. Over in Asia, E.K. up 497. That's 1.4%. So they've made back what they've lost the last couple days. Hang Seng, however, not so. Down 83, another 0.5%. 15,308. I keep seeing these people on TV saying go buy over there and buy, buy, buy. They must be selling their stuff to people. This looks pretty bleak. We'll get Carl's opinion on that, too, when we come back. Shanghai down 13, 2832. over in Europe. These guys were up very small. Uh, a little more now. DAX up 45.3%, puts the other up 32.4%, around up 4 call that one flat, but they, they're they definitely more to the upside than they were an hour ago. Uh, yesterday, that was up 201, S&P up 41, NASDAQ futures up 200. Uh, bonds uh, unchanged at 4.14. So there, the market was down the other day pretty heavy when bonds made this big move up, the 10-year rate. Now it's up even higher, and we're going, we're going flying back up. We don't care about those stinking interest rates. Uh, Bund down one basis point under 229. Japan up one basis point 0.67. We have oil down 20 cents, 73.88 back kind of in the range. Uh, Brent down 24 cents, 78.86. Natural gas down 8 cents, 261. As I guess we're gonna be warming up countrywide here in the next week. Uh, Gold up 17 dollars, 2038, trying to get back at least to the 2050 number. We'll see if they do. Silver up 11 cents, 2291. Copper up 3 cents, 377. We got Bitcoin. Up 430, 41,344. Uh, and we've got the uh US dollar. It's up a little against, I mean down a little against the euro. The euro is up to 108.9, but it's up a little against the pound, the pound down to six eight Greg, a lot of stuff there. What do you got for us? Trevi Weather Sports.
4: Morning everyone, 733 here in Chicago. 12 degrees right now, 15 today with a little bit of morning snow. Cold in Phoenix, 47 right now, 75 today and sunny. Traffic. Inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 15 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 38 minutes. From Wolf, 61 minutes. Ryan, 95th to the interchange, is 39 minutes. And Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 55 minutes. Sports, NBA, Bulls beat Raptors, that was 116 to 110. NFL, the Bears are uh, have interviewed Cliff Klingsberry. NHL, Coyotes lose at Canucks, that was 1 to 2. Men's College Ball, Illinois wins at Michigan, 88-73. And in college football news, former Stanford coach David Shaw is interviewing for the Titans job, and Bill O'Brien is headed to Ohio State as OC,
3: it looks like. So that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, Regarding offensive coordinators, uh, I'm going to say one last time. Well, maybe not the last time. What matters is who are the X's and who are the O's. Just saying. Well... To a large extent, anyway, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and shake your view <laughs> that in the end of the, at the end of the day, the market and real pricing sort of wins out. Um, and by the way, when I shake in your view, I have the exact same view as you, so I'm shaking my own as well. But I when I when I sit there and see interest rates fly up in a week, and the, the market recover to where it's up on the week, I. Find it very unusual when I see the Fed go from 0.25 percent interest rates to five point whatever the hell they are, and the market's up in the meantime. I I sort of smell a rat. I don't. You, re- c- you
2: certainly
5: wouldn't expect that reaction. No, you would right? not
3: expect that reaction. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say that if you having been through the well the first time in my lifetime inflation, the ones during the 70s and 80s, I would never have guessed. And when I started on the SIBO floor. All the wise guys, when I say the guys that really knew the industry, they would, if, if the government ever tried to fight the market, they would, it was somewhat, it was kind of a, you, you could tell the sound. It was, can you do a half a scoff, half half a laugh at the same time? That's what they would do. It would be yeah. like a half a scoff, half a laugh. And they would say, nobody's bigger than the market. They watched like Japan try and uh, you know, buy dollars to stop the interest, stop the yen from, you know, depreciating or some crap. And the next day, it was right back down. All he did was lose a, lose a boatload on the trade, right? So everybody was convinced the market was bigger than, than, the, than the anybody trying to manipulate it. And I'm going to say to you and me and to the listeners, I'm not sure that's true anymore. Because if you look at the last five, six years, and the, and the, the Fed pouring money down, one of the big differences in the original inflation, original. 70s and 80s was, everybody knew there was inflation and the interest rates reflected it. So when you lent somebody money, when everybody knew for a year, and everybody knew that the inflation that year was gonna be 10%, you got back that 10% plus whatever the real rate of interest was. This time you never did, because you would have said, I mean, I'm gonna say that 100, not 100, but 50 times for me and my clients, when this TLT, which is the ETF for bonds, was it 120, 118, somewhere in there, 125, whatever the hell it got up to? I'll find out. I'll look at it right now. Um, I'm going to say, people would ask me, what's the, e- what's the easiest trade you ever did in your life? Other than when I joined the business and the Dow was about 800, being long there for a while, uh, this thing got to 170. The easiest money anybody could ever have made at 170 was shorten this thing. Oh, y- yeah. Yet I must have done it 25 times and I made money maybe eight because every time it looked like it was going, the Fed ran over me like a like a friggin' steamroller.
5: Yeah, but if but if you managed to catch that, you know, one seventy one ish top
3: tick. I'm going to say you. Oh, you, oh boy! <laughs> if you if you'd have been one of my clients, by the way, it was one seventy when flying down. Looked like you were a hero and went right back up to 170 six months yeah. later. So I mean, every yeah. single time you tried to do this, you got it stuck where the sun don't shine. But yes, if you would have just said. I'm, I'm selling this at 170 in 2020. By the way, I'm going on a, a four-year world, world-around-the-world world cu- cruise and came back now. You'd be laughing. You'd be stinking laughing. Yeah, like, yeah,
5: the problem with that is is that when it bounced back up there, you were afraid of the margin yeah.
3: clerk calling you about three days later. So what I'm saying is, is the Fed essentially spent, and I, the balance sheet I don't have in front of me, but off the top of my head, the, the, the Fed basically spent $4 trillion dollars to make the market not work. Right. And, and everybody's convinced, except buffoons like you and me, that they're going to stop doing that someday. And the rest of the world knows they're not going to. But I have, a, I have an article here. I, I see. I, here's, here's the uh, well, problem. Let me, let me finish real quick. Okay. There's an, ar- right. there's an article here that I read a year and a half ago and said, we're going to go into a recession. Okay, it's. It, I mean, you talked about how many people lost their jobs last month. Have you seen the layoffs in the last two days? Oh, yeah it's, I mean, it, yeah. it's a It's, it's, a, it's, nuts. A, it's a nuts. So, and this guy said, do not short the recession. We just had a depression with COVID, and we went straight up. The amount of money floating in the system, the market will not go down, especially these, these, these crazy <sighs> stocks. I mean, it, it's, it's a point of view I'm going to say, Carl, right now it's point of view one, Carl and Chief zero. Well,
5: I, I I agree with you in that, you know, and just like it was, though. <laughs> okay, come on, your your memory is not that short. You no. were in this game in the 1990s, yes. and you remember that in 1998, and I, I can't tell you, in the year after I sold MCS and closed right at the end, we, we closed in September, I was on... Basically, on staff as a consultant, sitting in my same corner office, um, because you know they might have had questions during the integration and all of that for the next three months. Uh, starting in the the very beginning of ninety nine, uh, I every day I got one of my buddies that's calling me up and laughing. Why did you sell that place? You know, you're out of your effing mind. Yeah, oh yeah. You 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 could have been Bill Gates and you left it on the table. Da 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 da. Okay, uh, I bought the house down in Florida, and uh, and it, it, this was it, it. As the crash happened, okay, because I was was down there hunting when it occurred, and the realtor dude. Were you hunting uh, alligators?
3: Well,
5: I was hunting a house, a oh, place oh, to live.
3: Oh, right, hunting alligators. But uh,
5: hunting. but the the realtor that sold me my house had a whole crap ton of Cisco stock, and and was up. Crazy on it, all right? Because he bought it, and then, you know, all through the all through the run. And I told him, I said, I I really hope that you either have some puts or you've you've got something against that. <laughs> and it, oh no, well, that costs money. Yeah, I know it does. When you're wrong, it you know you're early on that. You know, those things keep expiring worthless, and you you keep saying, oh, God, that was stupid. You know, I just flushed you know, five thousand dollars down the toilet, whatever. You know,
3: funny. Snap st- with the Cisco for a second, right? Uh, my buddy Dr. J always been a I love the guy always had a good time wherever I went with him but it was it was always some, something going on Also, <laughs> we we go to New York this is after the market crash right so it's got to be March of 2001 maybe so Cisco goes from what it went from 65 to 6 something like that
5: yeah it yeah. was uh, yeah it was impressive
3: yeah it was impressive <laughs> and and so he's supposed to go to Brooklyn i never been to Brooklyn he goes I'm supposed to go to Brooklyn and, and teach this class on repair strategies for these people we used to do stuff with. Uh, he goes, by the way, I'm, I'm double booked. How about you going over there? And, All right, sure. I always take one for the team. I always help John out. He always helped me out. And, uh, of course, guess what time it is? 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, so i got to get on the subway to Brooklyn at, like, 530, which i would never been to Brooklyn. Right. But you know what? It was pretty quick. I, I, I was there early. So everybody in the room has got – now, of course – I knew they were going to be talking about Cisco because I was an OEX trader. I didn't do much on the stocks. Uh, They got to the point, and I always thought up until recently, Carl, and again, this is part of our discussion. It it, it piles in. Cisco, I I stopped looking at P.E. ratios because I don't, you know, whether they make money or don't, half the time they're cheating or whatever. Um, I'm not saying they're all cheating. But sometimes when you're growing, you don't make money because you're using it properly, buying stuff, and whatever. But I, I, one thing I look at is, is the uh, revenue per share. Right. And the, the, the revenue. And Cisco had gotten to the point where they were, the revenue was $6 a share and it's trading over 60 So my my Yeah, spot you're,
5: you're at ten, 10 times sales.
3: Yeah, so you, when you get to 10, 12, 10, 11 times sales, that's been my absolute danger, danger Will Robinson uh, spot since, since 2000. These stocks right now that I'm talking about, these big stocks, some of them are, are some of them are 31 times. I know. So it's it's blown through that like dinner through a goose, and, and and I told these pe- these people are all over me like, how did the stock go down? And you option traders drop. I said, what possessed you guys to buy <laughs> stock? It was 10 times revenue. What's the matter with you? And I, that was that was not real popular, but somehow or another, this time when I say it's it's, th- these guys went from three trillion dollar balance sheet to seven or eight. To save the market three years ago, don't think for a nanosecond that they won't go to 12 or 14 if they have to to save it this time, is what this guy's I, article is all about.
5: Well, what I, what I will say to that is, no, they won't. And, and there are the people on the bond side. Um, so, you know, we've talked about this TNX-IRX split for a while right Because it's really easy to chart yeah it's a whole lot it's a whole lot easier than doing twos and tens, okay, which is what Rick Santelli always loves to talk about. Of course, you know he used to be down there in the pit like you and and oh by the way, if you actually trade these things then you know then you've got that quote on your Bloom but if you don't have a Bloomberg terminal, uh, you know twos and tens is a little tougher. Right, you've got to actually sit there and look at it. it TNX, IRX, you could do from any retail.
3: Okay, trading, but but look at correct. those right now. The T N X is right. the thirty year. But I, but I,
5: right. What trade? T N X is ten uh, year. That's oh, right. right
3: the t t- Y. Thir- t- yeah, it,
5: the I R X is thirty is the the bill.
3: But even right, the, right now, Carol, it, it's trading four point one five. It ran up a bunch this week. The T N X. That's a ten year. Okay. But does anybody anybody, Okay. Does any 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 moron? Think that in the next ten years inflation is going to be less than three percent. No, but here's the here's the point though, Chief. When that
5: when the curve uninverts, okay, when it comes back the other way, that's when the economic trouble hits. Okay, it's not it's I, not I while disagree. it's inverted. Okay, historically that's the correlation. We have gone from neg fourteen five on that um, a week and a half. Well, two two and a half weeks ago to as well yesterday we actually spiked at neg nine nine right now we're trading like ten four six okay that's an almost fifty percent move I don't don't disagree
3: I'm I'm saying there's some sort of a difference between the Fed people as much as they kind of did a crummy job back in the seventies they got to the point where they said we can't do this anymore we got to go back the other way these guys have, have no such conscience None. whatsoever. I,
5: I I understand that. I'm simply saying that the laws of economics have not been repealed, and you can the Fed cannot print money, but they can print credit, and they've done a whole well, lot. Well, it, it
3: turns into money in a minute, so it ends up being. Well, money. it's
5: not. It's not money, Chief. That's that, that. Boy, this is this is how people end up on the wrong side of this thing in their personal lives too. They're not the same thing. Money is the surplus after you produce. And you make the expenditures you need to in order to continue to produce in in your personal life after you pay for your housing and your medical care and your food and your power bill and you know and God forbid you don't pay the gas bill in Chicago right now right, right but so here's here's the thing though the the government the Fed a bank or whatever you can always you know you you can stick your 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 hand on the scale for a period of time and they have. And and people think that this is an invincible force, and it can it, nothing will ever go wrong doing
3: it. it. A lot of stuff goes wrong, except the market. When the Weimar well, Republic went I, under, I, when the Weimar Republic went under, the market was at all time highs.
5: Well, I understand that. However, you needed a wheelbarrow full of right. that market in order to buy a loaf right. of bread. So what okay, was?
3: Back up for a second. Yeah. You, you and I have, we've jousted about this for a while, and they they don't really print money. When when the treasury goes out and. Sells 100 million dollars worth of bonds, okay, and they, they basically jam it down everybody's throat. And the the Federal Reserve, which now owns what some percentage of all the all the uh, government bonds, they go out and w- we're going to buy that one back in the open market. or We're going to buy, what did I say, a billion. We're going to buy 100 million back in the open market uh, to put them on the balance sheet, okay? Otherwise, otherwise the interest rates would be going up. So they essentially go in the open market and buy it, and they buy $100 million from Carl. They write a check to Carl's clearing firm, and the check clears. But they don't, they didn't right. have the dough, but it clears. So how is that not printing money? It may, may be done through credit, but you're, you're essentially creating money.
5: Well, you're, you're creating credit, but what you've done is dilute the value of all of the, I, the I, funds I, that are currently I, in circulation. I get it.
3: I get it. Now, and, now, now we've
5: gotten away with this historically, over the last you know 20 30 years because of all the offshoring and the increase in in flow means that there is a buffering period while those transactions are cleared from one end to the other and as it, and thus as that flow increases there's there is an absorption it's not permanent but from a stand- if if you look at if you look at where this was let's say that the amount of goods in transit uh, ten years ago was, was two hundred billion dollars. Okay, at any given point in time. All right? And the goods in transit goes to a trillion dollars. Now this is uh, now ultimately that trillion dollars is is paid for, right? And the transit is over because the goods right. go from the one place to the other. Okay. But during that period of time there's eight hundred billion in credit that can be emitted with no economic consequence and that's exactly what we took advantage of. We went from a few hundred billion dollars worth of this in transit to trillions of dollars of this in transit. The Federal Reserve thought, and so do all these market participants, because for a period of time it looked like this was a free lunch. You could do this without the inflationary consequence immediately showing up in the economy okay. in the United States. And it, when I, when you know, the thing is, it's just like what happened during the 0708 crash, I expected the dollar was going to get monkey hammered when when Hanky Panky got his 700 billion dollar blank check. Okay, it didn't happen, so I had to go back and look at why didn't it happen? Because that's what you have to do when you're wrong if you you're actually going to try to figure out what yeah. what happened. So I go back and well, you know, here's here's the reason. Okay. We've continued on this. This is why the the inflationary policies of the Federal Reserve and the Congress, and it, and all of it, really, when you get down to it, it's Congress that's doing this, because it is the deficit spending that is driving this policy. It is not the Federal Reserve's desire to bail out Wall Street and, you know, well, and it, it's, Jamie
3: Dimon. if the Fed was, was, if you had, you know, you know, ain't why. got,
5: Bert, you you ain't got any. Volker has left the this mortal coil. Well, but Volker had a him.
3: Volker had a unique spot as he was actually put in there by a guy who gave him that kind of authority. That guy being Jimmy Carter. That has oh, never absolutely. that has never happened again and never will.
5: Well, uh, you're you're probably right, and and you know what? But here's but here's the problem that we have that's coming, and I don't care whether people like it or not, it's going to happen. And that, it, and it's—you're already seeing the start of it. The people that have put all of this fact—I've and I've been reading a bunch. Start of, of it,
3: we're at all-time highs.
5: Understand that. Yeah. But By the way, you know, you way. know how hard it
3: is to argue with somebody when you agree with everything they say.
5: Well, you know. But look, you have all these all these different industries, and I'm seeing this show up in the media all over the place. They're moving production out of China. Why? Because the cost of production in China is rising <laughs> right. rapidly. Okay, So now they're trying to figure out, all right, what do we do about this? All
3: right, but without, right? without getting so worldwide, all right, we're talking well, about... But you, but you have to, I, Chief, I,
5: because that's where the sequestration I except, has come
3: from. Except if you were on national TV, uh, people's eyes are... Right, the 90% the of the people that you and I deal with are saying, look, look at what happened, one of the biggest lessons this last year has been the Silicon Valley thing. The mm-hmm. Fed unhesitatingly poured so much money back in there they, they erased all the, the pullback they had done they have told me in, in no uncertain terms that if it comes down to another 30% inflation versus the market going down they will choose the inflation as much as they say they're for every man Okay, you know, I, know,
5: I, know, I know you want to believe that chief but if they put another 30% on the cost of, of car insurance housing and food you're gonna, you're not going you live in Chicago Okay. You're not going to live in Chicago. You're going to live I, I, in a burned-out ruin that looks like Beirut.
3: You know how hard, how hard this is for me to argue with you? Or not? I'm with you, but they don't seem to know any limit. You and
5: I... Well, no, they, well, the, nobody knows any limits, Okay, but so they, the, the, still, the limit... Their, their city gets lit on fire.
3: The, the limit last time was 10 times revenue. Now it's 15. I mean, if I went on TV today, a and, and national audience, and said, man, oh, man, look at this NVIDIA, this uh, uh, Lululemon and all these... I could probably find 10 of these places. Maybe even uh, uh, Adobe or someplace. Man, these guys are like 12 times revenue. They're they're worse than Cisco. The market's the market. All guys like you and Carl, and they probably have another couple of goofballs that come on during the week. You've been been preaching this Armageddon forever. It's not going to happen. The Fed's not going to let it happen. Everybody knows that. Uh, See, here's the hook or the gong. I mean... It's hard to argue, Carl, even though we know that there is some limit to this. I mean, I, I, mean, I think we both well, know of that.
5: Of course there is.
3: But, but look, at, look at the 10-year rate right now. Or, or It's 4.1. Right.
5: You Does and anybody I, believe that, that inflation will be less than 4.1 over the next okay. 10 years?
3: No. There, there is, if you really want to go back to being an old fart, you could say, you know, when you lend somebody money, you should get paid for that. That that's a, that's a factor of production. You need to build a oh, building. Right. You need steel. You need concrete. You need copper. Oh, by the way, you need some money. Right, And everybody gets paid their share or ought to. Now, you can't tell me, even if you say the long-term real interest rate is 2.5%, which is a little low, and look at the 10-year rate is, is 4.1, nobody thinks that inflation over the next 10 years is going to be one and a half. So how can the, quote, market, when we started this conversation by saying, when I came to the trading floor, everybody thought the market was stronger than everybody. You can't tell me now that the market is stronger than what this government is willing to do to it.
5: Oh, no, I look, I, I understand, you know, that perspective that point of view and where that comes from okay because i think it's nuts
3: but but to me it looks like every day i keep thinking something's gonna happen it never
5: does well i'm just saying that's uh, you know and in historically speaking if you if you go back to 1998 and 1999 you see the exact same pattern all right and it, it works until it doesn't and then it all goes to hell all at
3: once um there would be people Carol, it, look!
5: Look! The problem—the problem with this, Chief—is that everybody—you—you—you—you you, you have hit the nail on the head in terms of the diagnosis of where the actual problem is coming from. Okay, which is that it's supposed to cost something to borrow money, right? And that is supposed to be a real price, which means the cost is supposed to be higher than the rate of inflation. Right. Whatever the rate of interest is, is supposed to be higher than the rate of inflation. Correct. It
3: hasn't been true for 25 years. Which is which is has caused all. And you are spot on. It's caused all that crap. People paying five billion dollars for a baseball team. All that uh, stuff. It's, it's all caused.
5: this stuff comes from yeah. that. Okay. Now the problem is, is is there a point where that folds back? Because if there is, all those asset prices will dissolve like a part in church as soon as it occurs. Well,
3: you and I look at Argentina, Venezuela, and, and Weimar, and we say yes. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just going to say, in the long run, let's say we agree and we're right. Okay, What you saw and I saw in 2001, the last gasp of the dot-bomb, whatever you want to call it, market in the 2000s, the last gasp, I think, Carl, was the Fed pouring a whole bunch of money in for the three months before Y2K. Right. So it it was. the last 10% kicker on the stocks that were 80% overvalued or 100% overvalued in some cases came from the Fed. I think we could both agree on that. Th- and then as soon as Y2K wasn't a fiasco, the Fed started pulling some of that money out that they realized they didn't need because there wasn't the fiasco. Correct?
5: Well, yeah. Okay, and I'm and saying, but they did.
3: And, I, and, and right. there probably would be people today that said if they just would have kept pouring it in, you wouldn't have had the crash then. It might have been later. It maybe would the, the The problem was they pulled back. Now, right now, you all day long, you listen to who's the buffoon from uh, Wharton? Uh, Tell us his name. The, the economist, allegedly. He talks about how the, the last, well, you can't do it anymore because after the Silicon Valley, the money supply is actually going up. He goes, in the last four months, the Fed has lowered the money supply by 4% in the last six months. This, this is going to cause all these problems. He never once said, yeah, but we're up 40% from 18 months ago. Well, yeah. But, but I mean, the same, it's the same. He's talking about the same thing that happened in 2000. There was no reason to bring it up, but once you do – and you start pulling it back out, you can cause a problem there too. That's that's why you're never supposed to put too much in, right?
5: Well, well, yeah. I mean, but this is you know this goes back to the whole Friedman thing, you know, and, and you know it's supposedly the you know the whole concept of Keynesian economics is that you you use monetary policy as a counterbalance, so you're pulling money out during the booms and you're putting it in during the busts. Okay. Well, we seem to have forgotten the pulling it out part.
3: Over the last, you know, twenty-five years, do you do you, do you think in, in in our lifetime, or actually anything you've ever read, and it probably it probably has happened somewhere, do you think there's ever been a purely Keynesian policy? No, I'm going to say no.
5: No, I would say no. I, I, they and yet everybody and their brother in the policy realm. Talks about it, but right. they are only talking about half of it.
3: All right, we got a, we got a minute here, and I got to explain what we just said. This is this is kind of deep. Keynesian Keynes would say that normally, boy, this is this has changed, huh, Carl. Uh, people, duh, people, people like us, left to their own devices, will essentially save fifteen to twenty percent of their income, correct? And it goes in the bank. Now, savings equals investment, so that's not a bad thing because that's the that's the money that other people are going to borrow to build factories and buildings, right? Right, Carl. That, that's how it all is supposed to work. But right. if you want to jumpstart the economy, you either borrow money from people, which comes out of their savings, or you raise taxes and you say, okay, we're going to spend all the dough, not, not the 15 to 20% into savings, so we're going to essentially kick 15 to 20% more into the economy than if people just did it themselves because for some reason we're in a recession, we're something, something, we're going to kick it that way okay, we're either going to borrow money or we're going to tax uh, less, right? So we're going to go into some kind of a deficit by because bu- that's what we got to do to borrow, correct? And uh, that's no help from the Fed. Now, if the Fed turns around and says, we'll make it easier for you to borrow so we'll print more, now it's not a Keynesian event anymore. It's a monetary event, right? Right. Or both. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. but that's uh, But that's the thing is that this is... You know, people think
5: that, that, that somehow these, you know, the, the way this stuff works has, has
3: disappeared. It doesn't matter yeah. anymore. Well, well, yes, it does matter. Sure it does. Well, but they, they are much better. At, you would never have thought 40 years ago or 30 years ago that if you had an inflation problem and all of a sudden your, your bonds were starting to uh, go down and so your interest rates were going up, that you would run out and buy the bonds and force them back up that that's something people would never have done during the seventies and eighties, and these guys do it all the time now
5: well, that, oh yeah, I know but I that, know that's a
3: that's a and in their mind carl i don't I don't think that they think that they can do it forever, but they sure as hell think they can do it to to november and then then they well, think I know,
5: well, I know they believe that, yeah. but you know what they thought that back in two thousand eight too, and how'd that work out
3: well that that was they the fed they screwed up on that one so bad because they they never kept track of how much money was pouring in fr- in here from Japan, popping up these mortgages. I'll bet they had no idea. Even though I read something from other people who did the studies, there was thirty five dollars of mar of a, of debt a, a margin, piled on debt on any dollar of of actual mortgage. So people would say people shouldn't have got these mortgages. That's probably true. But that was one thirty fifth of the problem. Oh yeah, no, I agree with you.
5: And I, I, but the thing is, is that this is the way that distortions like that happen. Yep. and and people think that, well, you know, that'll never happen again or that hasn't happened again. Well, yes it has and yes it will and, you know, the idea that there's no correction that's going to come to this and that there's no limit to it. Well, you know, hey, listen, uh, uh, that's a wonderful fantasy. It's just that in my life, in my adult life, that's not, and when I was a kid in the 1970s,
3: that's never worked out very well. Well, and you and I, we got a dash here, Carl, but you and I our big fear is the longer you push it off and make it worse, the worse it's liable to be. The worse it is, that's right. And I hope we're wrong there, because I think we're at a spot now where, you know, I, if, if if any of this stuff swirling around Nvidia is true, and if the guys doing some weird stuff with China, and if it comes crashing down to a real price, I mean, we're, we're talking what seventy, eighty, maybe. Uh, you're, talk, you're talking
5: about terrible things. Yeah. yeah.
3: And I don't want that to happen to my clients.
5: Well, I think it's going to happen, though. And I, I, just I, want to I keep saying, right, I
3: don't, let's have some panic puts there somewhere. A,
4: a wise man once said, if you bet on the end of the world, you're only right once. <laughs>
5: well, I don't, think that, I don't think it's the end of the world. I just think that you're going to and I wouldn't be buying get old, $20 S&P puts. No. Okay. But on the other hand, if the air comes out of the balloon, is the ripple effect going to be terrible? Oh, oh, you bet it is, if, and it's going to be everywhere. If,
3: if you got a stack that's 500 and you buy a, a put next year for 25 bucks, at the end of the year, the stack's 650 n- No sniveling. It's like your car insurance, you didn't wreck your car. Right? Well, yeah. But don't. people don't think that way. Carl, thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Are you doing any skiing this year? Uh, well, not yet, but yeah,
5: I, I do think so. Uh, here in the very short future because, um, you know, we've we got this week to thing Carol- called winter.
3: I heard some people last week went to Carolina. There's a Carolina
5: ski resorts? There's there's actually a few of them. There's one that's a couple hours from here That's uh, that I have not been to yet. Um, and there's there's another one that's three or four hours that I have been to. Uh, and then, of course, there's Colorado. I tend to go out to Wolf Creek at least once a year.
3: And, um, boy, they, Luke they've Luke says got, the place that's got no snow is... Uh, well, Berthoud Pass is closed, like I guess, a huge avalanche, but I don't know if uh, that place is open. It probably is. They had a huge avalanche, and they buried a bunch of cars, but nobody got killed. That's good.
5: Yeah, well, you know, that that kind of thing happens. Yeah, Wolf Creek, last time I looked at it, has 150
3: inches on the ground. Wow. I mean steamboat. I was thing from those guys saying they have, they've had fourteen feet this year. So uh, yeah, one
5: hundred fifty-three inches. So uh, yeah. you know, it's that's uh, 12, 13 feet.
3: That's a lot. <laughs> All right, take care of yourself. But SP is up nineteen, if is up one hundred five. Back on Monday, stacks and jacks.
0: We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs>
3: Hamzy Analytics. Listen to Fahri Hamzy every other Thursday and visit HamzyAnalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.